Welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Leah Heigl and I'm here with my co-host Aidan Muir and today we will be discussing how to maintain a good relationship with food when dieting. So dieting is a contact sport. It's not inherently bad but it does come with risks. For those who are already dealing with or have a history of disordered eating or a poor relationship with food, it is like playing a contact sport with having some kind of underlying injury in that it's probably more risky for those people than it is for people that have an amazing relationship with food already. So to get us started, my first tip would be if you don't already have a decent relationship with food, potentially dieting is not right for you now. Like maybe you should spend a little bit of time just working on your general relationship with food before you dive in to dieting. Um, But for those who have a pretty good relationship with food and you do want to diet, we will go through a few tips um, to just basically safeguard your relationship with food and just make sure you're able to maintain that throughout the process. So we're going to try and go back and forth on some of these. So The first one I've got is something I'm a pretty big believer in, but like not having strict rules. And I add the caveat around that being like, you can have guidelines, you can have things you do more or less frequently. Like an example of a strict rule would be something like not having added sugar ever for this phase or whatever. And I, I always think it's pretty easy to unpack something like that being like, how many people do you know who don't have added sugar ever? And have a good relationship with food and like I don't know like it's just so rare to see something like that so it's already like well that's kind of setting things up for mm-hmm. failure to a certain degree to start off with and like a lot of strict rules will do that but like I also like the idea of guidelines for example like eating a decent amount of protein with most meals having vegetables with like both lunch and dinner um, maybe having some snacks that you consistently have like having little things like that but also being open to not doing that every single time as well yeah if it doesn't like fit with your day maybe you just don't do it yeah for yeah. sure Number two is do not try to do more aggressive approaches for extended periods of time. So we're definitely not anti like aggressive dieting for everyone. I think it definitely has its place in some contexts, but I think it's pretty rare you get to a point where like you have someone that can do that for a really long period of time and not have any impact on their relationship with food. I think at any time that you're doing something really aggressive for a really long time, that is going to mess with your relationship with food, it just is. Yeah. Um, so ideally, if your relationship with food is important to you, probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, 100%. And like, I am a very big believer in if you're doing that, only do it for a short-ish phase, mm-hmm. have a kind of defined end time and an exit kind of strategy from that as well. Definitely. And then on that kind of theme, like a lot of people talk about like slow and sustainable approaches, but I also do not like the idea of dieting indefinitely just in general, like it's, um, I saw somebody else make the statement, fat loss is a phase, not a lifestyle. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's like from a relationship with food perspective, when you're in a fat loss phase, even if it's like relatively slow and sustainable, you still have to think about food a little bit differently because you're still trying to restrict a little bit under what your calorie needs are for maintenance. And even if that is slower or whatever, or less restrictive, there's still some level of restriction involved in it. And you probably don't want to do that forever. Yeah, I think having a timeline or like structured diet breaks at maintenance can really go a long way with just kind of having periods of time of like more food freedom rather than having like three years where you're just dieting the the entire time because that is going to warp your perception of food. 
Uh, number four, avoid viewing foods as good versus bad. So there's definitely foods that are going to be more conducive to your goals and foods are going to be less conducive to your goals. That's a given, but kind of putting things in a, oh, that's a good food. I can have that. Or that's a bad food. I can't have that is really, again, going to warp your perception with food and doesn't really add anything to your dieting approach. I think flexibility is really quite important in terms of dieting success sometimes, but also in just maintaining your good relationship with food throughout a dieting process. So I would just avoid having that good versus bad foods approach and more just going, well, most of my diet's probably going to be mostly whole foods, but like nothing's off the table completely. Yeah. Makes it so much easier too. And then also just more enjoyable. Like it gives yeah. you the opportunity to eat food that you like just because you like it at times as yeah, well. Yeah, and you kind of need that every now and yeah. then, no matter what your goals are. Yeah. And another one that I, I think a lot about this one, but like don't count calories forever. Um, I'm pro calorie tracking at times. I personally have had great experiences with it, have had a lot of clients have good experiences with it, but I'm a massive believer in not doing it forever. I don't think that's like, I don't think anybody should do it forever. There's some cases like bodybuilders who might do it year round and stuff like that. Um, but outside of the world of bodybuilding, I don't really see it. Even even like elite athletes and stuff like that, it's rare to see somebody track calories year round. But something that I think is useful is like you can do it for phases, but a question that once again I pose to a lot of people is, do you know many people who track calories year round and have a good relationship with food? It's pretty rare. Probably not. <laughs> like I, I personally can't name any. I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that there could be some who exist, but it's so rare and it's a bit of a sign that it's like if a re good relationship with food is part of your goal, you probably also don't want to be trying to cal track calories all year round forever. Especially if it like if it makes you anxious to like not be tracking yeah. calories, that's definitely a bit of a red flag that you might need to pull away and have a bit more of a focus on your yeah. food relationship. Like I, I often get clients who have tracked calories for a while who they get to the end of it and they're like, but how do I know what's in food? And I'm not tracking. Yeah, and it's like well, you don't you don't, you don't need, need to, to know, know the calories all the time. People have lived great lives without knowing as well. Like, yeah. um, and as you said, if it makes you anxious, it's like, well, that's not part of a good relationship with food. A good relationship with food doesn't involve being anxious about eating totally. food that you don't know the calories in. Hundred uh, percent. Number six is pay some level of attention to your hunger and fullness cues, and this is just important, just from the fact that like. If you want to get back to a point where you are eating more intuitively, that is going to be based more so on your hunger and fullness cues. So if you just completely ignore them and become completely detached from your hunger and fullness cues when dieting, well, you're probably going to have a bit of a hard time going back to a phase where you are intuitively eating more so um, and kind of just using those hunger and fullness cues as a way to, to guide you in that. Um, so... I just kind of, I think like when you're, when you're really, really hungry in a diet, sometimes it is best to just have something to eat instead of completely ignoring it. Um, especially if you've gotten to a point in your diet where it's like driving you insane, like yeah. when it's really, really, really uncomfortable, or, or maybe you do things like, oh, like I'm going to take a diet break because I know that's going to help bring my hunger cues down. You're not going to completely continue to ignore them. Yeah, and like that's a really long topic as well because it's like if you have no timeline as in you don't have to be a certain weight at a certain date or anything like that, um, you have the luxury of being able to do this. And if you get to the point that you're so lean or whatever that you're just going to feel that level of hunger 
all the time all the anyway. Time. <laughs> Where it's like, well, that's once again not part of a good relationship with food anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, complex topic, but it's like you, you need to pay some level of attention to it. So. Yeah, and I guess you could even bring into like making it more complex by accident, but like bring into like the menstrual cycle in yeah. terms of some parts of your cycle, you're going to feel hungrier. a bit hungrier. Maybe it makes sense to have a little bit more food when you're a bit hungrier. Yeah. So yeah, it is important. And yeah, that's why I like the wording like some level of attention because there are times you have to. Be I mean, you're going to have to push like, through some level yeah. of hunger to diet. It's just having. I guess even just knowing that sliding scale, what's a comfortable level of hunger and what's yeah. not so good? Yeah. Um, another one is don't strive for perfection. Obviously, you still want to do enough consistently to keep moving towards your goals. But you don't need perfection. Like a lot of, I feel like when, like everything we're saying here, like a lot of people are being like, oh, well, like you're not going to make it towards your goals if you try and do all of these things. But it's like, <laughs> Keeping the caveat of like, you've got to do enough to work consistently towards your goals, yeah. but you don't need to be perfect because even like perfection is just like a, a complex topic in itself being like, you know, everyone talks about how nutrition is complex and it's contradictory, like advice and everything like that. It's like everybody's view of perfection is different anyway. Everyone's mm-hmm. view of healthy eating is different anyway. But like if you're just doing enough to make good progress, you reach your goals, but you don't have this whole thing where you feel like you failed every time you're not perfect yeah another one would be play around with meal timings to find out what works best for you I feel like a lot of people just assume that what they're currently doing or like a certain way of timing their meals and different portions of food at different time is just what works without having really tried anything else um so if you're dieting and you're really struggling with it you you might benefit a lot from just questioning the status quo in terms of what you usually do and just trying other things and seeing if other things work better for you and make that experience a little bit easier, which could then go on to be conducive to harboring that good relationship with food. Another one I think is really important is to still try to enjoy food. Like firstly, just starting off with the obvious being like food tastes nice. (laughs) It's enjoyable. (laughs) Um, A lot of social, cultural experiences, everything like that are based around food for a reason. It's an important part of our life. I I like thinking back to the concept of like, imagine when you were a child and you had ice cream or whatever it is, and you just thought about the positive experience and like, this tastes nice. And you didn't feel super guilty or anything like that. I think that's important. And this is like, that. that's the first portion where I'm like, that's the important part of what I'm saying. But the second portion that I, I often find just interesting anecdotally is a lot of time when I see clients very, very early on in the process, they will be so focused on trying to be great. And then they'll talk about how like they're like, they had Maccas once or Coke once. And then they'll be like, and I didn't even enjoy it. It didn't even taste good or like the Coke was too sweet or the Maccas tasted, I don't know, like whatever it is. It's like, those things still taste nice. (laughs) You're lying to yourself. You you can still enjoy them. I don't know. Like, and like, that's like, that's why I say this part's less important because some people might disagree with me and they'll be like, no, Maccas is disgusting. It's like, well, whatever your thing is, it doesn't matter like what it is. Like, but it's like the goal is not to not enjoy food or not enjoy unhealthy food or whatever. You still want to enjoy food while making progress. 100%. I have this like thing with this one specific donut from this one specific donut store. Yeah. And when I'm dieting, I still need to include that like semi-regularly to just feel like I, I just feel like it's part of having good relationships. Yeah, you just don't want to lose that. that Yeah. And I always make a point of like, I'm going to just really enjoy this and then I'm going to move on with my life and that's it. I think that's pretty important. And like doubling down on that just like one more time, it's just like, 
there's so many people who, you know, I said like <laughs> fat loss is a phase, not a lifestyle. There is, there is a lot of people who treat it like a lifestyle. They treat it like they're always in a fat loss phase, whether they're succeeding or not. But like year round, they're either trying to lose fat mm-hmm. or they're not succeeding with it, but they still, they still want that. And there's never much time spent just enjoying food. And every time they eat something like that, they feel guilty or like whatever it is. And it takes away a huge part of life. Number 10 is relaxed meals and flexibility instead of having cheat meals and cheat days. So this is something I personally talk to my clients about in terms of I don't really like the idea of having cheat meals or cheat days because like, you know, what's the point of kind of blowing out completely on one day and possibly undoing a lot of progress that you made earlier in the week. And then also just kind of that terminology. I kind of have some some yeah. issues with that in that it should just be part of like part of your dieting process to have some level of flexibility and be slightly relaxed in at least some ways. If again, your relationship with food is important to you. Like for, for me, it's that donut. For someone else, it might be that one social, it might be date night with their partner and just having that meal where they're a little bit more relaxed. Maybe they consume a little bit more calories that day, but they've just thoroughly enjoyed that experience and it's just part of the flexibility of dieting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Like I, I think obviously semantics about definitions, like I, I don't really care about the wording, like cheat meals or whatever, but I'm like, you need some level of relaxed eating in there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the wording doesn't mean a lot to some people, yeah. um, but for other people it's it can huge. really kind of just subconsciously add this like level of guilt into yeah, the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like that's exactly right. Yeah, so I do agree with that. Um, then the next one, actually I should like elaborate why I say that. Like, So like why I say that is just because it's like, I remember early on in my, when I learned about nutrition, um, I thought cheat meals had some magical like benefit or whatever. <laughs> like I just like thought it was like yeah. restore glycogen and then reset. And, and like I, I, one of my first cuts, probably my first ever cut, I had a cheat meal every weekend and things just went great. So I was like, oh, that was fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know Tyler, I'm pretty sure Tyler does like, so Tyler works with us. He, um, he does cheat meals with some of his clients as well. Yep. But it's obviously like you just word it differently. Like when I did that phase, like I didn't call it a cheat meal. I called it a refeed meal because I was like refeeding with glycogen and whatever. But it's like yeah, still the refeed. same thing. It's just like semantics about like what it, the word is. It like, is really just yeah. semantics. But I guess like my experience with cheat meals was that I'd res- like when I first started, like yeah. probably in like the same age, we were probably doing it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, probably. Um, that I would restrict really heavily and eat super, super clean. Mm. And then I'd have my one cheat day or cheat meal and I would make myself so sick and I'd feel so guilty and it was just like this gorge and like it wasn't a good experience that's very different from my experience it's a very (laughs) different experience I think it just depends on the person whether those the semantics matter yeah yeah Yeah. for real I agree the next one is to not avoid all social situations where food is present because social eating can be a really important part of life especially amongst certain cultures and stuff like that it's Obviously, something just like adds to enjoyment of life and everything like that. We have a lot of good experiences with food involved and everything like that. And oftentimes, particularly when people have strict rules and stuff like that, they feel excluded from these situations, either because they start not attending them because they're like, I don't want to ruin my diet or whatever. Or maybe they go to these situations, but then they'll bring their own food or whatever. And the second option is like not as bad as the first, obviously, and it can make sense in a lot of situations and stuff like that. And it's a case by case thing. But if you're trying to keep a good relationship with food, you probably still want to have some of these situations where you're eating with others and eating what they're eating and everything like that too. Absolutely. 
number 12 is one that you know, is a, you can do it if you feel like it's going to make a difference for you. And I think it, it does make a difference for a lot of people, but that's just working with a professional. Cause even if you know exactly what it takes to diet successfully and get from point A to point B, it can sometimes be good to have someone holding you accountable in terms of just taking care of yourself and taking care of your relationship with food. Cause for some people, I, I see them do things with their nutrition that wouldn't exactly be the beacon of a healthy relationship with food, um, but they're just not, it just doesn't occur to them in that moment. And then they get to this point where they have a really poor relationship with food, but they didn't see all those things that had led to that. And so I think working with a professional, even if it's just for the accountability of taking care of yourself can be super helpful. For sure. And it's even an outside perspective as well, where it's just like, I've heard people say that it's like, you should treat yourself how you'd like to treat somebody else, basically. Yeah. Particularly with food being like, sometimes we'll do things with our own nutrition that we would never want somebody else to do, but we're like, oh, because it's me. Like, um, yeah. Like sometimes yeah. I like find myself saying things about food in private that I'm like, oh, I'd never say that to a client. That's a bit toxic. Yeah. Like not a good relationship with food thing to say. But like, you know, if you had someone holding you accountable for that stuff, it might be helpful. Yeah. The next one is um, if dieting becomes a source of anxiety in your life, stop. Like you don't have to be dieting. You can take breaks and everything like that. Life is long. There are times that you can take a step back from something and then maybe revisit it later or revisit it in a different way. Or you could take a step back in a different way where it's like you were trying for something that was more aggressive and you could go to a less aggressive approach or something like that. On another note, if it is a long journey that you are taking with dieting, it could just be good to just take breaks at maintenance. That could be super helpful. And again, just having those points of a bit more food freedom um, and just living your life a little bit more normally where food is not the focus and there's not so much of a focus on doing these very specific things with food. Again, super helpful. Agreed. And the last one I've got is... I call it an optional one because it's like you don't need to do this one, but I think it's a concept that's worth thinking about. And it's to not be tied to any arbitrary approach. So we know for weight loss, we need a calorie deficit, right? And there's many ways to get there. Some people like intermittent fasting. Some people like lower carb diets. There's a whole bunch of options, right? And like I know I just listed two like random ones it's like you could just do like a regular small calorie deficit or like anything like that like there's so many options obviously but you could choose to do one of those options because it fits your lifestyle well or you prefer to do it that way or whatever it is but you also do not need to be tied to that as in you somebody who does intermittent fasting doesn't have to do it every single day they could take a day where they don't fast somebody who is on a lower carb diet doesn't have to do that every single day they could have a day where they're on a higher carb diet. Um, one of the good things about having knowledge about how and why these things work is it gives you flexibility. So the reason why I say it's optional is because some people do better when they have like that kind of thing, like that routine of being like, this is how I always do things and everything like that. But from a relationship with food perspective, taking a bit of a step away from that being and looking at it from the perspective of being like, hey, this thing that I do seems to work well for me most of the time, but there are probably times where it is quite inconvenient and maybe I want to have a bit more flexibility for certain situations. 
Awesome. So I think that sums up our list of the things that you can do to safeguard your relationship with food whilst dieting. Obviously, take what you want from this list. You don't have to take it all on board, but these are things that we think could be helpful. Um, otherwise, this has been episode 62 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.